government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God bless America? No, no, no. Not God bless America. God damn America. That's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating us citizens as less than human. God damn America. As long as she tries to act like she is God and she is supreme. Okay, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Derek Chauvin was stabbed in prison because he looks like a pumpkin, I think we've discussed. Uh, <laughs> carved. Carved, if you will. Yeah. Well, it made him into a jack-o'-lantern because it's <laughs> confusing what holiday it is. But he it was his orange jumpsuit, obviously. What we're saying is critical support for whoever stabbed him. They did nothing wrong. They thought they were carving the pumpkin pie, reached across the table, and and put shivved the uh the you know that the pie thing what is that called <laughs> the gourd no the is thing it, that, that you the thing that you use to no the the tool that you use to like to pick up a piece of pie that you just oh cut. I know exactly a pie uh transporter I know exactly what you're talking about it's a triangular sort yeah of, uh, spatula it's like a, almost it's like a spatula. So, yes. Somebody pie spatula to Derek Chauvin right <laughs> below the ribs because they thought he was a delicious pumpkin. It's, it's like, that time of year where things get very confusing in American prisons. Yeah, because every everyone's autumn. Everyone's a, pump, a pumpkin spice basic bitch or whatever with their orange jumpsuits. Yeah. <clears throat> it happens every year, folks. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> it happens quite a bit, and uh, you know, people will. I'm not obviously. I think it's perfectly fine to laugh at it. It is funny, but it's also like it would be nice to have a system where people in prison were con- not constantly getting shanked and murdered, and they had like a just a. a it would be so easy to fix it uh, to not have. And the reason we were talking about it because it's Derek Chauvin, but this happens like every day. Yeah. No. Yeah. Come on. It's it's specifically funny because it's like right ironic for him, but uh, horrifying most of the time. Folks, you gotta laugh though. (laughs) I don't know, Derek Shivin. Derek Shivin. That's well. That's one of the things that people are saying. Many folks are saying this. Oh, people are saying that. That makes me feel better for thinking of that. Okay, because it's such a Uh, bad joke. (laughs) Well, I say people. It is still a bad joke. I tweeted that. <laughs> oh, you did? Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Middle of the night last night. Couldn't get to sleep. Rolled over. Picked up my phone. Derek Shivin. That'll fix things. <laughs> and it's not doing great, but it did okay as far as tweets go. Um, whew, I had a tweet go viral this week where I said that white pe- we should get white people down for the cause by s- s- singing Free Palestine like Sweet Caroline. And let me tell you... It ruined my week. Do not go viral. Everyone hates you. <laughs> um, I'm glad I because I I was at a rally a few uh, weeks ago and people were and I and Sweet Caroline literally came into my head and I was like embarrassed. So I'm glad that it uh, is out there and I don't have to be the one behind it. I think that that's why it's such a popular idea is that everyone has had that thought at some point. Yeah, but they dismissed it as like I'm not going to fucking say that out loud, and then I did it. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> a few people have come after me and been like, excuse me, I wrote this a month ago. Oh, and my like, God. Well, yeah, of course you did. It's fucking dumb. <laughs> fucking dumbass thing to say. Uh, nothing to be proud of that we're all hacks, you know? Also, like... I'll, c- I'll cut you in on half the cost, you know, half the price or whatever <laughs> the payout that I make from this, which is, yeah. uh, as has been discussed, nothing. Um, anyways, uh, speaking of Thanksgiving and freeing Palestine, though, I don't know if you saw this, but um, the Zabruder film was sort of reenacted by the McDonald's g- crew. <laughs> The, I did not see. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The fo- yeah. <laughs> I didn't know the, they were reenacting, but damn. Okay, it's not. It's an accidental reenaction. So right. for some reason, in this thing, in this year's Thanksgiving Day Parade, there was like a convertible with Ronald McDonald and the chicken nugget bird and the hamburger, and then Grimace is like sitting in the back, kind of like the where. The, where the Pope would be in like a Pope mobile situation, like up Mm -hmm. on the back of the car wearing a really bizarre scarf as if, uh, he's some sort of like, you know, esoteric world leader or something. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I'm not even sure who I want to say is, is the JFK of the situation here because this is all happening. And then there were like, uh, pro Palestine, you know, protesters went to disrupt the thing. Very cool. It's a stupid fucking parade. Uh, and so they got blocked off by a bunch of people with free Palestine signs and stuff. But they're just the fucking journalistic photographs of the the convertible. The Hamburglar has kind of thrown himself over the seats. <laughs> he kind of looks like he was assassinated. The bird yeah. is kind of screaming. It's pretty cool. Uh, wow. I see. I the reason. see. I think Grimace is is Jackie Kennedy in this situation because uh, he. Uh, there's a lot of dispute as to what Grimace is. I think there's a good argument to be made that he is a pillbox hat. Like a, okay, like a color, you know, because she's wearing a pink pillbox hat. They don't have those around anymore so much. He could easily be a purple one that I could see her wearing. He is the hat, is what you're getting at here. Yeah, like sentient. Right, he's a sentient pillbox hat with, I, I guess, you know, slightly bigger and uh, uh, more, you know, uh, full of jelly, but uh, a pillbox hat nonetheless. If you look at the the exterior, the fur, it's pillbox hat like. Okay, I could kind of see this. Jackie O kind of had like, um, she was dressed like a like a berry milkshake kind of a lot of right. the time. Right. Yeah. All that pink and stuff. Yeah. It's all right. That's why JFK was so enamored with her. She's like, that broad looks delicious. <laughs> and you know, there's the famous, after the assassination, she kept the blood supposedly on her. She kept the outfit that she was wearing when he got murked with the blood stain on it. Uh, that maybe that was strawberry milkshake. Maybe she was grossed out by the blood, but still wanted the symbolism. So she went out and got a, a uh, McBerry shake and, you know. A lot of people don't know this, but when JFK was assassinated, he was drinking a Grimace's birthday berry milkshake, and it <laughs> just went all over the place. That's why she was screaming. She's covered in her own people. 
Um, yeah. Speaking, of, by the way, not, uh, we have a sign that says this many days since we've talked about the fucking John F. Kennedy assassination. <laughs> Take it back over. It's zero. But um, oh, the yeah. other day, the 22nd of the month, right before Thanksgiving, was uh, the, it was the anniversary of the day that he was shot. He was shot on the 22nd, as we have discussed, because he had a curse on him put by Big uh, Papa Doc Duvalier, the uh, fucking dictator of Haiti. Uh, <laughs> so somebody pointed out, I thought it was really interesting. We currently have had in, in office, our only Irish Catholic president since JFK. Mm-hmm. And to that day, de- at that day, he was, uh, even for the record of how many days in office, an Irish Catholic president has been president of the United States. Right. So Biden can die now. He's done if, it. Yeah, right. He's he's beat the record, so he can just leave. Yeah. Um be a great somebody. chance to do that. Yeah. Um I so I was uh think about the Kennedy assassination as he comes up. Uh, oh, of course you were every year. Um apparently because I was I was reading over the, the devil's chessboard and uh just like the, the big event that chapter from it. And I didn't remember this part, but um very funny how LBJ just like right when he became vice president, just sent over an executive order to Kennedy that was like this, this, this order will thereby give the vice president all control of national security and just would like hope that he wouldn't read it. And uh, <laughs> Kennedy like ignored it. Um, but yeah, that's, it's interesting to, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Yeah, it makes me I mean, wonder how much it, he he knew about it. I kind of th- I tend to think LBJ wasn't in on it, but uh, he definitely wanted the job. Or how much he just understood that Kennedy was like, you know, I'm not reading that. Pull me another Tom call. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but uh, he had enough staff around him who actually read stuff. Oh, this is what I was gonna say: is can you imagine? Because I I didn't really do the math until this year, twenty uh, second. That was around Thanksgiving, uh, 2023. Um, I think what was it? The 23rd. So like one day before. So it was like, when was it in 1963? And it was the 28th. So that's like a week after the assassination of, of Kennedy. And then we have a new president and he has to do like the Thanksgiving ceremony. That must have been. Oh my God. He had to pardon the turkey. (laughs) (laughs) It looked like the turkey was being pardoned for assassinating the president. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> well, imagine like what the hell did speaking of Jackie Kennedy? What the hell did she do? Because they plan these things month and months in advance. Is she just going to relinquish her role as Thanksgiving First Lady because her president husband died? Like she pro- she may have showed up there and been like, uh, "So I know you're technically the First Lady now, and I'm not, but we did kind of have this thing going for a few years. People are going to want <laughs> me here." Uh, why don't you, you know, go go down to Texas for a nice weekend? Yeah, I bet she. I wonder if she tried to muscle them out and still do Thanksgiving. Yeah, if she got like sent home or something. I don't know. Yeah. You know, what I've been imagining this entire time we've been talking is like a uh, a guy who uh, thinks that LBJ's name is like a gay thing, and he's like, I ain't going to that library. Because <laughs> 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 he thinks it's LGBTQ. Oh, uh, I see. I thought you meant like. Loud blowjob or something. Uh, LBJ. That's the classic LBJ joke. He probably did a buzz about himself. Guy yeah. liked whipping his dick out a lot. 
sure. Uh, <laughs> no, somebody who thinks he's woke because his name sounds like lesbian, bisexual. Um. Anyway, that's, what's the J? Jer- no fucking idea. <laughs> Jerky. Jerky. Jerky's kind sure. of queer, if you think about it. That sounded really offensive. That's insane. How are you going to fill that bit out, pal? <laughs> I'll let you try. Oh, man. Okay. Jerky, if you think about it, uh, meat we expect to be only prepared. We expect it to be cooked or raw, but it's jerky is this other thing that um, society frowned upon for a while. But now it's everywhere. You can't go into a store without seeing jerky masterfully done Anders how was your Thanksgiving you know it was actually quite nice I um I was a little nervous because uh it was I was gonna be with my girlfriend's family and they are some of them of a different persuasion on certain Middle Eastern uh, situations Uh, but there's a lot of that going on around the country this year it thankfully didn't really come up uh, uh, except for somebody was like called the New York Times anti-Semitic. And I was like, uh, can you say more about that? And they were like, no, I, I actually can't. And then we left it at that. Uh, it was, but it was nice. How about you? Oh, mine was cool. I had a very fun like friend get together out here in sunny Los Angeles. Uh, good food. Had some fun drank, you know, nothing to nice. report. Didn't have to argue with anyone over politics because I hired a bunch of fucking radical freaks. Okay. I mean, <sighs> you would think that would lead to like the most uh, arguing, like just a bunch of uh, leftists getting together about what a leftist is. Like that just. Yeah, it's something else, not Palestine, but like, right. you Trotskyist pig. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, statistically, no. there must be like an Ann Prim who's had Thanksgiving with a. Stalinist, like it must have. Although maybe the Anprim wouldn't go to Thanksgiving, but they they come with their, you know. I brought you these traditional twig dish <laughs> that <laughs> you can eat, and it's twigs, and it doesn't hurt anything. Yeah, um, or they cook the fucking turkey over a campfire or something. Mm. But it's not a turkey because they don't eat turkeys. Um, I, I wonder, I can know. an Anprim be not vegan though? Because like. Well, yeah, that goes back to the were humans originally vegan, and there's, I think there's different. I've heard that the uh, teeth in the human being are uh, more uh, designed for like plants and stuff. If you think about it, because we really don't have big, great gaping gnashers in the way that many carnivorous animals do. Um, yeah, hard to there's say. There's actually there's actually a fish called the sheep's head. Which is what Sheep's Head Bay is named after in Brooklyn. Really? I always wondered what that was about. Google this shit if you want to be horrified. It's a fucking fish that just has like what looks like a full set of adult human teeth. It's very unnerving when you see them. But the evolutionary explanation is is they eat fucking plant life. And that's what teeth designed to look like plant life look like. I buy it. (laughs) However... I mean, meat is delicious. There's something going on there. Uh, yeah. I don't know. We'll never know. Anyways, um, we're on a time crunch today, and this is one hell of a character we're going to discuss. So I think we should get right into it. I'm going to play you a little song to start off. 
That was the current president-elect of Argentina, Javier Millet, Millet, something like that, uh, dressed in his cosplay uniform. He made up his own character that he goes to cosplay conventions as, who is called either General or Captain Ancap, depending uh. on whose who's translations you're reading. His rank in the military is unclear but he's an anarcho-capitalist he's dressed in this fucking thing he looks like the monarch from venture brothers kind of (laughs) and he's singing a song at some convention the lyrics of which are like and they spend and they spend and they spend and then run to the central bank just anarcho-capitalist libertarian dork bullshit Uh (laughs) uh that guy's running a country now it's pretty bad um anyone listening you may have seen this guy around he has a weird kind of 60s haircut with the sideburns and the shaggy helmet hair thing going on right hide from that 70s show style uh sideburns totally um he's a real freak i've been reading about him all week let's get right into it so he was born in buenos aires or the ba if you're a starship troopers fan Starship Troopers, great movie because they predicted all of this. <laughs> um, literally, it's like a bunch of people from Buenos Aires, you know, doing the fascism. Uh, uh, man, got to hand it to Beerhoven. So he was born there. He was a football player, which is what they call soccer, <laughs> folks. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Okay. We don't have time to get into it. It's crazy. Um so he was a fucking popular. Well, I guess he says he was popular. He was a fucking <laughs> he was a football player. He was goalie. He was a real fucking weirdo. Um, he says his parents were abusive, and which is why he didn't talk to him for like ten years. He was estranged from them, and uh, he was really crazy in high school. So his school nickname was El Loco. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I know what that one lunatic. means. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's a type of chicken. Everyone. Uh, that's a restaurant out here, a fast food restaurant. So he was also a singer in a Rolling Stones cover band called Everest, (laughs) which he also claims like he brags about like, oh, that's why people like me or whatever. Uh, (laughs) Apparently, this was a very common thing in Argentina is is everybody had a Rolling Stones cover band for some reason. Really? Like not only were they very popular, it was popular to do specifically that about that music. Okay. Uh, I don't know, but uh, he still talks about it, so he's very proud of it. He became an economist and eventually a professor of macroeconomics, microeconomics, economics of growth, and mathematics for economics. He's been doing that for 21 years. Um, no shit. Okay. I didn't know this guy had any kind of uh, academic pedigree. Yeah, but he's like a far right wing guy, like a right. Chicago boys. You know, there's a la- there's a history of Latin American sure. fucking libertarianism being installed somewhat, and then at this point, it's probably just generationally built into the crust. At some point, you know, mm. you learn from somebody. Um, and then also, we live in the modern world of internet, Bitcoin, dorks, and stuff. So there's a lot of factors that lead to this, but obviously, the material ones are probably the most uh, important. Um, 
which we'll kind of discuss. Th- this is th- there. This is just very similar to what happened with Trump and uh, you know all of the other guys that look exactly like this and are kind of exactly like this. So um, I don't know if you're looking for any glaring details that are different here. I don't know if you're gonna find them. It's a, it's a it's a crazy story because he's really fucking weird, but it's almost de- banal and depressing at this point because this, this is just going to keep happening. A guy with weird hair is going to become a fucking far-right libertarian uh-huh. wherever there's a power vacuum, apparently. Um, Millier became the chief economist at Maxima AFJP, a private pension company, a head economist at Estudio Broda, a financial advising company, and a government consultant at the International Center for the Settlement of Investment Disputes. He was also a senior economist at HSBC Argentina. He served as a chief economist at several national and international government public bodies. Since 2012, Millet has led the division of economic studies at Fundación Acordar, a national think tank. He's also a member of B20 and Commerce, an advisor to G20. For 15 years, he worked at the private econo- uh, the private company Cooperación America as the chief economist and financial advisor to some guy named Eduardo Urnekian. So uh, I think that what kind of happened before he became a pundit, which is what happens next, is that he was like a big think tank guy. He's like kind of in the private sector in like various institutes and stuff like that mm-hmm. mckinsey type shit you know uh and that probably just incentivized his style of thinking because that's right. generally what those apparati are are designed to be for you know um could have ended there but apparently he was very charismatic so this sort of parlayed into a uh, a tv punditry career he was like a, a kind of a beloved wacko Alex Jones type, you know, mm-hmm. but um, well, maybe a little bit more Trumpy, though, because like people liked him because he would do like epic owns over people and stuff and, uh, you know, would would show up, you know, fire and brimstone talking about the government misspending and stuff. He um, he would wave a chainsaw sometimes. <laughs> In February 2017, he generated controversy by naming a guy named Domingo Cavallo, which is like um, a far right wing economist there. Argentina's best economy minister, a choice that remains contentious due to Cavallo's unfavorable image in the country. In November 2017, he caused a stir by declaring that the main producer of Argentina's economists, uh, a school, is a Marxist indoctrination center in reference to the Faculty of Economic Sciences, University of Buenos Aires, leading to what he called the ubiquitous proliferation of Keynesian brutes. Oh. <laughs> See, I was going to yeah. say, this guy really, especially that song, really reminds me of uh, Doug Stanhope's bit about Keynesianism, which is like, it goes to kind of what we were talking about last week, where it's like, it's an amazing, hilarious bit that is politically incorrect in just about every single way, but it's still extremely funny and entertaining and you know gets yeah yeah no i remember that i think about it all the time because when i heard it for the first time i was like oh yeah i kind of know what keynesianism is and i like he seemed really smart at one point when i was really young and then i kind of went wait a minute this is like interesting because it's very entertaining but it's uh kind of there's kind of a a con going on in Mm -hmm. it you know um or you can just disengage like i i'm a big 
fucking fan of. Um, I was yelling about. Uh, fuck, he's interesting. I wonder what he thinks about this because he's kind of like a reformed libertarian at this point. Yeah. Stand well, he hope. said I've heard him say like, and this is what I was. So this this kind of feels like in Argentina right now, like. It, it's almost the equivalent of like Ron Paul becoming president of America, uh, which, you know, at the time he was uh, got popular on the popular aspects of libertarianism, anti-drug war, anti, you know, imperial war. Uh, and those, despite being third rails, like a lot of people in America um, are attracted to both those things. And that's I've heard Stanhope say that's why he's still a libertarian. But the economic stuff, he said, I just I am not smart enough to understand this. Uh, despite having done the Keynesian bit, now he's like, I, I'm, 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 I'm tapping out of that one. You can debate it amongst yourselves, which I, I do really respect. Yeah, it'd just be cool if he didn't support shit <laughs> in yeah. spite of not understanding it or whatever. Because right, I mean, he's yeah. yeah, but he's he's just like I care about the personal freedom stuff and the econ shit. Ugh, I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I've also heard him kind of say, like, uh, it doesn't work or whatever, but I don't know. I don't know. You know, I mean, it doesn't take much. Just respect for self-criticism, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, that's the path out of that shit. I think he should be more of a black flag type guy. But you know what? That's for a different podcasts. So, yeah, he was like this crazy um, fucking uh you know fire and brimstone pundit guy and then he sort of parlayed that into a a career in the argentine chamber of deputies which i'm to understand is sort of like the local government in like a dc type situation because he's in the capital oh interesting yeah uh and then later on he parlayed that to becoming a national deputy which is more in the, like the national government and then eventually to president a couple weeks ago um and in order to get there let's follow a little bit of his belief system <laughs> that became so popular so he um he's very charismatic he says things like uh, i'm not here to lead lambs but awaken lions damn he calls himself a lion <laughs> <laughs> He's um, <laughs> damn right. He he did something really interesting when he was first elected to the Chamber of Deputies, which is that he would raffle off his salary to a different random citizen each month. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so he was already independently rich from his uh, TV appearances. I think so, and I think this is to generate this like uh, sort of faux right wing populism. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a thing when you become president of the United States where they ask you if you want to take a salary or like a, a paycheck or something like that. Yeah. And tr- Trump kind of did this when he took office. He paid himself a single dollar a year and his fans, I remember talking to people about this. They thought that was like a real sign of some sort of integrity. And also I think what this guy is trying to say here, which is that he's like, uh, you know, he's against state employees being paid. You know, he thinks that they're vampires or whatever. Mm. So he's like, no, check this out. I'm going to redistribute. Ironically, he's going to redistribute the world. <laughs> Ron <laughs> Paul, not to get hung up on him again, but he would donate his salary to paying down the national debt, which is like the lamest fucking thing. You could do. <laughs> what a fucking loser. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, same move, though. Totally makes sense. Um, 
when he was uh, first a politician, he would be absent from the chamber about 48% of the time, about half the time. <laughs> and uh, some of the like some of the fucking laws that were passed when he was absent were shit that like he, according to his own beliefs, like passed, he should have voted against or something like that. Hmm. Uh, government spending bills and stuff like that. He had uh, scandals at various points in his career for selling candidacies via his party. His party, the Libertarian Party, there is a relatively like new party. Like they just formed it around uh, the time he was doing all this stuff, I think, and uh, arguably very corrupt. He says that those articles and that journalistic shit about him selling candidacies is uh it's like a witch hunt type situation he's oh they're just trying to you know get ahead of my next election or whatever um he is yeah he's a libertarian and cap type he believes all the normal shit you you know you get from libertarians regarding like um sex work even though he's like a huge misogynist uh (laughs) uh and he's like kind of a conservative in a lot of ways. He's pro sex work because his, ma- his main thing is like everyone should be, you know, able to to be an entrepreneur and, and the state should be out. The state doesn't have any business regulating stuff like that. Yeah. Um, he's also pro like deregulating everything with firearms. Uh, he's pro drug decriminalization, even though he's. Um, he he doesn't do drugs. He said he, he's he's personally like against drugs. He thinks that they're evil and for the devil or whatever. Uh, but he says he smoked weed one time and it made him laugh a lot. <laughs> I bet. Oh, that's a terrifying thought. Just him cackling, <laughs> stoned. Yeah, he said he he compares drugs to suicide. That was the the metaphor or whatever. Like it's like literally killing yourself to do drugs. Um, he has this really weird, like secular life thing going on with a lot of his beliefs. Like hmm. he's cons- conservative, not does believe in God, but not religious. We'll get into it. Um, on the campaign trail, one of the things he was really into talking about was the fact that he thinks you should be able to sell your own organs. Hmm. Quote: It's a market like any other market. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean. Hard to argue with that, I guess, but uh, that is another one of those things that, you know, that's one of the things libertarians in the U.S. believe, too, but they don't, at least in like the Ron Paul days, that was not like on the bumper sticker out in front. Uh, But I remember when I was in community college, there was this kid in my writing class who was a a libertarian and wrote this essay about uh, how you should be able to, yeah, sell your kidneys and organs and stuff. And then like, you know, I, I realized then like this is actually they they talk about this. This is like one of their programs that they're excited about is like under libertarianism. You'll be able to fucking sell your kidney for twenty five bucks or whatever. Yeah, they don't lead with it. You have to get to the meeting first before right. this comes up. <laughs> and they're like, okay, is everyone not going to tell on us for talking about this? Uh, the reason that he's so adamant about this is that apparently that so there's a lot of organ transplants that happen in a big country like this. <clears throat> but the, uh, the the like the 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 supply of organs is kind of low, so there's people that aren't getting transplants, and he says that that's because there's like too many regulations around this, and there's um you know there there's 
like regulations in place that create a code to make which makes it um you know illegal to harvest an organ from a living person and he i think is conceiving of this as like state interference in what would if you deregulated it be a natural natural market on the basis that your body is your property and property is sacred so like should i not be allowed to carve out my own kidney you know sort of the thing uh <laughs> i don't know i don't know you know what i don't know if i disagree with him there <laughs> but maybe you shouldn't need to i don't know uh moving on so he also believes that prisons should be privatized and prisoners should be made to work for their stay. So this is where I libertarians just contradict themselves really hard because like the, the word liberty is in your the root word of your fucking thing. But they love the carceral state. They love cops. It's fucking stupid. Um, monetarism something he's really big into the idea that one of the only roles of the government is to regulate how much money is in the economy. So his big things are monetarism and minarchism. He's, uh, you know, very into like reducing the role of the government to almost nothing, but the almost nothing is still like police, uh, and like courts for shit, like contracts, which he also kind of believes that you can get, eventually get rid of the courts and there's a way in which the market will regulate itself so well that contracts won't need to be negotiated by like a state arbiter or whatever. They'll mm -hmm. just work out, which is unexplained. There's no, <laughs> there's no like third slide for like, how the fuck does that actually work? Yeah. Cause just I mean, I guess this is the difference between uh, uh, just a hard libertarian and an ANCAP because hard libertarians in the US, they will say like one of the very few roles of government is to enforce contracts. But I guess it's totally voluntarist in ANCAP society. Yeah, it's fucking stupid. Um, minarchism is uh, an interesting theory if you're uh, not well versed with psycho and cap libertarian stuff it's the night watchman theory of governments the theory is that the military police and court system are provided to protect citizens the military police and court okay uh while the free markets handle everything else minarchists believe that the most efficient way of providing products and services is through the use of free markets this is the belief of free market capitalism or laissez-faire capitalism Citizens should be protected from aggression, theft, broken contracts. <laughs> that's what the police are for, for broken contracts. Uh, uh, I guess that's how you you get you do away with the courts. You just bring police into it or something. And fraud. Also, property laws, specifically private property laws, need to be enforced. Ayn Rand, Robert Nozick, and Austin Peterson, Ron Paul, Rand Paul, Friedrich Hayek, Hayek Ludwig von Mises, and Frederick Bastiat are all well known for adopting minarchism as part of their beliefs. Um, that's uh, that's his like those are his guys. Um, Mount Rushmore, a, black and yellow. Yeah, fucking Javier Millier going the Legion of Skanks. That's <laughs> the shit that they're into over there. Uh, let's see. On the campaign, when he won, <laughs> I think when he won, like his so so. What happened recently with the presidential campaign is there's like there's mandatory 
voting, I think, in Argentina. And there's a primary mm-hmm. and then there's like a runoff for president. When he won the primary, which was a huge upset, he had a big event and he used a song by this band called Versut Varga Barat to celebrate his results even though they like hate him <laughs> which is a, a classic like ted cruzy sort of right-wing move because like none of these people are actually cool is that they just go i don't care i'm gonna play your song anyway it means what i what i think it means uh-huh. um he is really weird and really eccentric he has no romantic partners or has had no romantic partners generally for most of his life because he's like um well there's a lot of reasons that could be (laughs) he claims it's for like you know because he's such a a hard worker and he's he needs to be at work all the time although he recently on the campaign started dating this actress that's very popular there and i think he might have met her because he at one point over the last few years like landed a role on a tv show hmm yeah, it's one of those things like that kind of happens in well, I was gonna say it happens in other countries. It happens here too. What kind of, is he? Is it like a telenovela? I think so. I can't. I didn't really take a lot of notes about it. Uh, <laughs> it seems like something weird, like that local drama or something. He um, he's really into tantric sex. <laughs> okay. He's claimed to, uh, he's used the word free love a lot. When explaining his uh, beliefs on romance and stuff like that, he apparently was a tantric sex coach for a number of years what? and claims, yeah, <laughs> like he'll teach you how to fuck sting style without busting. He claims he can go three months without coming, just doing tantric shit. And apparently he's really into threesomes. Hmm. Um, so he's like this weird bachelor guy. And when he was elected, uh, he's single, right? So I guess, apparently, as per the rules, if you're elected and you are single, you can choose a first lady. Just, <laughs> like, not to be your wife, just does, to have that title. Does that she title have is- to agree to it? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But the one he chose did, because the one he chose is his sister. So his sister is the first lady of Argentina and they're apparently very close. So there have been rumors that there's like a fucking Targaryen type situation happening. Wait, so I'm not totally clear on this. Is he a role cell? Does he, does he himself have intercourse? I think he fucks, but he's, he doesn't date. (laughs) Okay. Like, Like he considers himself to be like a fucking bachelor playboy type thing. Uh, Interesting. Because he, he says he, he says he has threesomes a lot, which you can't do alone. I don't think. <laughs> uh, he's into gooning. <laughs> <laughs> um. So there was this book called El Loco, which is an uh, unauthorized biography about him, and it says a lot of interesting stuff about him, which we'll get into. The author says he started writing it as like a boilerplate political. Uh, biography and then it turned into something he'd compare more to a confederacy of dunces by john kennedy tool or like a raymond chandler huh it's my favorite uh, novel really i think that's mine too wow that says a lot uh (laughs) (laughs) that makes total sense only Uh, book that's like made me cackle i guess in the uh millelli stone sense like i remember reading it on an airplane and people were like looking at me like i was insane it's so funny. It's about yeah. a 
podcaster before they were podcasts. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um. Yeah, he said it was like it was like that, or like a Raymond Chandler like a uh, noir novel is like something. I which I don't quite understand. Those what are you mean two by that. very different things, but okay. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe there's a lot of like weird subterfuge and lying and stuff happening. Uh-huh. Um, he's Catholic, but he hates the Pope and calls the Pope a communist. He's called him a communist turd, mm. a piece of shit. <laughs> the Pope, mind you, this is a Latin American leader. Uh, he says he's the representative of the evil one on earth. Wow. And... He said uh, that he said this because the Pope supports some social programs which are in effect in Latin America and Argentina, to which Malay has replied, Jesus never paid taxes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, OK, did he? I guess not. He didn't really have <laughs> they didn't. It was I before the income tax. I think he's right about that. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's different than he wouldn't pay taxes. Right, yeah. You know? I don't know, man. Uh, so his his big thing is like, he's like, um, he's not like an atheist. He's like, a, a, I, you're not, you're, I'm not, I'm more religious than you, the Pope. You know, uh-huh. you're doing it wrong. Um, so he's kind of against organized religion, I guess, in some ways. He calls the state uh, the work of the evil one. This is a big kind of thing is he he refers to the devil as the evil one Mm. and um i think this is interesting because a lot of libertarians are atheists and are very anti uh religion but he manages to to thread this needle between libertarian shit and being kind of old school conservative in a lot of ways which probably helped him get elected Hmm. um he said once go ahead so he's like against euthanasia, right? Yeah. So that's part of that organ sex work stuff uh-huh. where your body is your property. Uh, kind of part and parcel with that. You've got like this weird belief about just being alive. So he's against abortion, but not for religious reasons, for secular libertarian reasons. He believes that it's the baby's like right to be alive and you're infringing on it if you uh if, if you abort it and the same that's for the same reason he's against euthanasia which is he's like which is weird because i would think he would be for that if he's right. for the organ thing because usually you're like kill me please you know that's part of the deal right i would think that actually that would be a libertarian thing is because yeah. actually that's one of stanhope's things is you should be able to kill yourself right he like, killed his mom because she yeah was dying right yeah that's weird actually you know that's a good point but i mean in we're looking for logic in like a logicless world here. Uh-huh. Libertarian and cap fucking thing. I mean, you can use that logic to back up any position right. you decided to take. I think. Yeah. Um, he said once, uh, if I had to choose between the state and the mafia, I'd choose the mafia because it has codes. It adapts. It doesn't lie, which I don't think is true at all. <laughs> <laughs> He said, and above all, it competes. So he sees the mafia as like this. Uh, I, it's I don't know if he's saying he like lionizes it, but he's saying like it functions because of competition, which is a very libertarian, dorky fucking thing to believe. Yeah, um, I, mean, I guess in a way, competing with other mobs, but <laughs> not yeah. Yeah, kind of I, protection is kind of uh, an anti-competitive practice. I, I would think if I was the FTC. It's, 
crazy how these people are able to wrap around a like a thing where they're against crime and then make statements like that because it's like well what are you saying you know uh, you're you're against like crime that happens because that happens out of poverty that Mm -hmm. happens you know because mostly fucking brown people are disenfranchised and need something uh but if it's fucking organized white people you know great oh that's actually you're an entrepreneur because what the fucking mob does is uh you know it's unregulated and that's why he sees it as so effective completely fucking insane he's considered converting to judaism (laughs) but he says the sabbath would get in the way of his career uh he's also a big israel supporter big fucking surprise Mm. uh also a ukraine guy so you know think about that um Anyway, <clears throat> we're about to get into the real good stuff. In a 2018 Radio El Mundo interview, he expressed his belief in the existence of God. He reiterated this belief in 2022 to the journalist Luis Novarecio, who retorted, How can a guy as pragmatic as you believe in something unverifiable? Millet responded, That is your case. Very strong things have happened to me, which exceed any scientific explanation. According to Millet, he has had conversations with God, whom he calls the number one. (laughs) And God told him that he had the mission to enter politics and not stop until he became president. Millier also reads the Torah daily and has visited the grave of Orthodox Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson. I don't know who that is. Um, oh, also, before we get into the next thing, because the next thing is really good, I just want to uh, go back to a couple notes I made earlier. So, like, his weirdness, right? His, like, his charisma and his specific niche that's led him to become this right populist. It's all kind of cookie cutter at this point, you know? I kind of looked at him and I was like, you know, with him and Bojo and uh, Geert, <laughs> the guy who was just elected in uh, fucking, where was that? Uh, they all have weird hair. Oh, yeah, yeah. Netherlands, I think, with Geert. Oh, yeah, Geert. Uh, Wilder is his name. Yeah. There's a, a few of them. Uh, fuck, what's the guy with the, like, the, the helmet, the page boy? I can't remember. So there, But there's like a handful of these guys. And I kind of was looking at this the other day, and I was really like, I was kind of lost in my head thinking about it because for a while I thought, you know, he says like, he kind of says the same things that Sam Bankman Freed says about his hair, mm. which is, you know, that it's like, oh, this is like a part of my individuality and stuff. He, in his court cases, Sam Bankman Freed sort of said that like he, he actually like legally had to keep it that way because of some deal he made <laughs> with what? regarding P- PR and his like image or oh, something like that. Oh my God. Okay. Uh, but I was kind of psychologizing about him and I was thinking, you know, like, well, what are these guys trying to say with this unkempt look? It's something that I remember being into when I was like a teenager is the idea that if you have unkempt hair, it means you're some sort of like interesting, you know, rock and roll guy or something. Uh, it's kind of boyish and I almost want to pin that psychologically to these people and go like you, uh, you like, like you're you're like a stunted person, right? It's like weird. It's like if we had like a, a, somebody who made it to the top of national politics and they're like, 
they have highlights or something. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, it feels like peacocking. Uh, people, yeah, from the the book, the game. I have not read this book, but I I know that highlight anyway. Uh, um, which is you just act weird or you have like a a very unusual article of clothing uh, when you're out in social situations and it it uh, gets attention. Yeah, I think that's part of it, or at least that's why it works. But I kind of came back around and I kind of think, well, Trump might have been the first guy to do this. I mean, unless you want to go back before that and go to like talk about Hitler or something like that, which is very possible. Right. But I I mean, I think that hairstyle was pretty around back then and the mustache, too. I think that was. Yeah, that's he killed that hairstyle and mustache combination is what happened. Right. Uh, um, I honestly want to say, like, you know how like. After Clinton was president, every politician that tried to win an election did the thumb thing that he does while they're talking. Uh-huh. That's like a purposely sort of built thing. It's a deliberate aping of a thing. Because Trump, Clinton won on some very clever like uh, campaigning shit. You know, it wasn't entirely just a material groundswell beneath him. Like, I think it's why politicians aped him so much. They're like, wow, he just pulled some shit off, which is, I think you could say the same for Trump. And I think that's like, maybe why these guys make their hair thing part of it. I'm not sure, but I'll tell you this, his hairdresser, who is also the president of the libertarian party, which is his party down there. It, uh, has said that who's also a cosplayer, by the way, it's like his cosplaying partner. <laughs> it, <laughs> um, have they explored each other's bodies? I don't know. She said that she purposely is trying to make him look like Wolverine because she thinks it embodies like his spirit. <laughs> mm, okay. So, I mean, <sighs> I don't that know. means we can, he, he, someone could shoot him ostensibly and be like, well, if he's Wolverine, he, <laughs> yeah, he's gonna he be, be able to heal. Back. Yeah. Just completing the experiment. Yep, you heard it here first, satire. Uh, <laughs> now, this is this is my favorite part, Anders. He had a dog. The dog was named after Conan the Barbarian. Uh-huh. Called him Conan for short. He was an English Mastiff adopted by Millet in 2004 and named after the title character of the 1982 film. Millet who never married and is childless, referred to Conan as his closest friend and confidant. Conan died in 2017. But Millet has reportedly said he believes that he and Conan first met in a previous life, more than 2,000 years ago, and as a gladiator and lion in the Roman Colosseum, and that the pair did not fight because they were destined to join forces in the future. Referring to his presidential campaign, Millet reportedly gave Conan champagne and treated him as a family member. That's how much he loved Conan the dog. Oh, no. So when he died... (laughs) Go ahead. You're not supposed to give dogs champagne. That's all I wanted to say. (laughs) I had a friend who gave his dog shots of liquor, and the dog was fine. Okay. The dog was also an alcoholic. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Yeah, don't do that. I don't know why that one dog was really able to do that. She would come into the bar I worked and do one off the floor. <laughs> but is this what killed the dog? Or is, uh, no, she lived pretty long. No, uh, I mean Malelli's dog. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. No, actually, I know it's not true because uh, the dog died of spinal cancer. That's what happened. Uh. 
So he was really sad about it. So what he did after the dog died was, quote, Millet had Conan cloned in 2018 <laughs> and named the five resulting puppies after the original Conan and economists Milton Friedman, Ugh. Robert Lucas, and get this, Murray Rothbard. Oh. One of his clone dogs is named fucking Murray. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the name of my cat. Yeah. And now I'm really mad at this dude. <laughs> I mean, I've I've tangoed with Murray a couple of times. I think if it came down to it, and I guess one of them's dead, so up in the celestial, you know, battleground, I think Murray could take Murray Cat can take Murray Dog. I think so. Murray Cat's tough as fuck, and he's uh bottom left, I'm pretty sure, as opposed to bottom right. I yeah. think he's an prim. He's pretty primitive. Yeah. Um Millet does not distinguish between the current cloned Conan and the original, considering <laughs> both to be his son and the other puppies, his grandchildren. <laughs> uh, he has claimed to receive policy and campaign advice from his dogs. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm confused as to how they're all named Conan, but also enough, like they have a second name that's a fucking... Uh, like a Friedrich Hayek, Ludwig von Mises situation. I, I guess know. when he's Period. taking their advice, then it's the the official economist uh, name. I've I've heard of having that dog in you, but having that dog <laughs> advise you on policy is a new one. Having five dogs in you, you know, yeah, or having having von Mises in that dog, very weird. Yeah. Millet said that he cloned Conan because he understands cloning as a way of approaching eternity. To do this, he went to a clinic in the United States. The process cost him about $50,000. He called his dogs his four-legged children and thanked them after the 2023 primary win. Oh, man. Millet says he has dialogues with the likes of Rothbard and Ayn Rand. In 2015, he cited Conan as a source of inspiration for his writing. Of Conan's death in 2017, Millet said that he had not really died. He called it his physical disappearance and continued to refer to Conan in the present tense, hmm. but gone to sit next to God to protect him. Oh, okay. So he has not died. He's gone to sit next to God to protect him. Oh, okay. And then it was thanks to this that he'd begun uh, to have chats with God himself. According to Gonzalez, Millet wrote to a friend in a chat, I saw the resurrection of Christ three times, but I can't talk about it. Whoa. They would say I'm crazy. We would. A loco for you. <laughs> um, Jesus Christ. So <laughs> that's uh, that's kind of the extent of his supernatural beliefs as far as I could go. He's te telepathic with dogs and God. Um, but he sort of used all this to, to fuel his campaign. His campaign was very Trumpy. He was very like, uh, you know, into calling people slurs and stuff. Um, Anti PC shit. Obviously, he did the chainsaw thing. He's interesting because he's against. Um, he's like personally against queer shit. He says that the sex education that's happening in schools, which he wants to get rid of is like a Marxist anti-family agenda. Uh, but he's not against gay marriage or anything like that or, or trans uh, stuff, gender affirming surgery, because that's stuff that you would implement through the state. And he does not believe that that's, uh, he's like, that's the worst possible thing for him or whatever. Right. Um, oh, I fuck another 
<laughs> he's called the lion, but another one of his things is that because of his hair, he's called sometimes called the wig. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh his like his flock is like um what do you call it? His his people are referred to as the forces of heaven. Okay. It's a real weird. He also just straight up wears a make Argentina great again hat, which just fits back to MAGA. Uh-huh. And um yeah, politically his main things are he's very uh into to he's very anti-communist. There is a legacy of trade unionism from like the Peronist mm-hmm. government stuff in Argentina. He blames, you know, unions for harming the economy and causing a lot of the sh- uh, stuff that's happening right now. He wants to dismantle the central bank of Argentina and his, one of his main issues is dollarization, where he wants to convert the national currency to the dollar. Because um, essentially, what's happened here is that there's there's really wild inflation in Argentina right now. Mm-hmm. It's like a hundred and fifty percent inflation or something like that. So you go to a store and they put the prices on like an erasable like whiteboard, which is interesting because it seems like you could just change it yourself if you have an eraser. (laughs) (coughs) I'm sure there's a way around that. But um, yeah, there's this wild inflation and he's sort of arisen as this right-wing economist who blames inflation on the state and on sort of these like centrist governments they've had lately that are probably a little bit more center left than anything we've ever experienced, but they're still, you know, somewhat feckless and um, have, have taken loans from like the United States recently, the last couple of presidents, the ones that got through like the pandemic and such like that uh, took us loans, which he sees as burdening the taxpayer here or rather there in Argentina, because it's like, they're going to have to pay that back through taxes and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I think that like, I listened to a libertarian podcast where they talked about him in a positive light. And I thought it was really interesting because they misunderstood the roles of unions in a certain way. They sort of said that like, Oh, the trade unions, um, you know, they, uh, well, they go, they, put these general strikes together, which harms the economy. And Mm. these libertarians didn't really understand why you would strike to begin with. They said that, well, they must be striking in response to the inflation because that's the thing that everyone is upset about. And I thought that was kind of an interesting take from them because it's like, I could see how they think that because like Mm -hmm. uh, you, you workers strike because we can't afford things and we're not getting paid enough of our share they see that as like, well, the cost of living has gone up, so you're striking to to raise your wages to catch up with the cost of living. Um, they also noted that the general strikes only happen during more right-wing governments and uh, sort of were scratching their heads going, I thought these people only cared about the economy. Why are their wages? Why are they trying to influence politics? Which is just portrays a massive understanding of the history of like socialism, I think. Mm-hmm the goal is to, you know, to affect politics, I think. Um, but yeah, basically there was this, you know, the, this economic strife that he wrote in on, I think just under the, the banner of the socialism of fools kind of thing is he, he did a lot of, I'm going to drain the swamp. I'm going to fix this by converting to the dollar, which, uh, you know, then you won't have this problem of like $1 is, uh, uh, you know, trades for fucking a hundred pesos or whatever. Um, 
I don't know, weird libertarian stuff about, you know, gold standards and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. And he sort of, they sort of use inflation as this, this, uh, this windmill to shake their saber at, you know, this like straw man thing. Everything has to do with concepts like hurting the economy. You know, (laughs) uh, these libertarians talked about, uh, they, they talked about strikes as hurting the economy. Well, I think that I kind of don't know what, that's a very vague term, you know, like the economy isn't like a Pokemon with HP necessarily, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, um, it's the purpose of a strike is economic in nature and it is to back things up so that it then fucking comes out more fairly when you get it back together, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any takes on this guy? I've been following him a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, Argentina is a very unique uh, situation because of the legacy of uh, Peronism, which uh, maybe we should do just an episode on that. But like, I, I distinctly remember learning this about how you can't really categorize it as left or right. Like, it is a genuine like forward thing. Like, it's not. It it has uh, conservative and very left wing aspects. Uh, one of them being until recently. Uh, is very uh, social democratic. The, the state had a large role in the economy, but uh, I, I was reading that as of late, that's actually reversed, and Peronism has become more like Peroism uh, from the United States, which uh, you know was was populist uh, Ross Perot in the nineties, but he was like an extreme austerian. He really wanted he wanted to like completely eliminate the the national debt, and so over the past like decade or so, my understanding is that uh, the Peronist sort of coalition and a series of parties uh, have embraced austerity uh, in kind of like this economic nationalist frame, but they're still like slashing things. And that's obviously has ramifications on on the economy. But um, it's the, the counter to that is someone like Malelli, who uh, the interesting thing about him, and, and I, I believe Argentina's right in general is it's can it's very hard right but it's not really nationalistic because peronism kind of has that aesthetic lockdown it's it's people like him more so who are uh against the state so they're not really sort of appealing to this argentinian identity in the same way at least that's my understanding but it would it's uh, definitely going to be interesting and horrifying to to see uh what happens that this lunatic is in charge and yeah again a very very unique uh, political history and situation. <laughs> yeah. I think that like Peronism is kind of interesting because it's one of those things that both the conservative parties and the left can claim a legacy in because mm-hmm. it has all those various elements of it. And uh, I think he's been able to play on that a little bit too. And the, 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 yeah, the, the, the center there is sort of like moldered into the conditions that brought us Trump, you know, yeah. w- w- when we had him with o- Obama and uh, the sort of the conclusions that people came to in mass with regards to their material conditions not being met. Uh, the, it's easy for some guy to come along and go, I have the answer. It's state spending and stuff like that. And uh, it's, mm-hmm. With with the left over there being kind of in decline and in a lot of ways not serving the purposes that it should because uh, you know because of the contradictions of like social democracy which I think we talked about a couple episodes ago or whatever eventually yeah. if it doesn't push 
in the in a further direction it's going to kind of turn back into like weird liberal stuff you know yep um yeah I read a little bit into this. I'm not super read up on Argentine politics. It's very interesting. They have a like a they have a, a party or like a, a group that's referred to as the radicals, who are actually the centrists. It's very confusing. Um, mm. but needless to say, yeah, I, I, if if you've lived through Trump and understood how he was elected, this should be like not that confusing. It should be like kind of uh, depressingly banal because all the same stuff happened. You know, he at first he was very popular online and among young, you know, alienated men. And then when he got elected, people went, oh, my God, we thought only the incels were going to vote for him. But all of these middle class people did. Why? I don't understand. (laughs) You know, Uh, why did all these working class people vote for him? You know, uh, those people are supposed to be leftists. Well, you know, they didn't fucking trust the left this time. And they bought into this fucking thing that this guy was selling, you know? Um, yeah. Trump loves him. <laughs> Trump has said, this is, you know, I can't remember. He said some weird Trumpy thing about it. It's a victory for uh, whatever, you know? Um, <clears throat> and yeah, I don't know. I would just, I th- I almost want to say like, if you there's just libertarianism is so fucking popular in America right now in mm-hmm. ways that people don't even understand. Like I think people don't understand how similar Trump is to this guy. Right. It's Trump ran as a Republican, but a lot of the ideas he was pushing were appealing in the same ways. You know, maybe there's just a the hardcore minutia of it is a little different or whatever. And like the, I'm constantly talking to fucking dumbass libertarians on Twitter because of, comedy just being infested with them or whatever and like these people don't conceive of themselves as being right wing a lot of the times it's considered to be a third other thing or whatever this is proto-fascism uh (laughs) these are the steps that that fall into place right before you, you surrender the state to capitalists which is kind of how fascism comes into play mm-hmm. uh i think these people don't understand that that is what fascism is when people call them fascists they think oh no that's when you wear that hat and you do nazi germany and you do holocausts or whatever those all things those things are all outcomes of this material fucking reality coming into place in a state and uh it's fucking not a coincidence that this guy's like super racist and and uh bigoted and stuff like that you yeah. know yeah yeah um yeah i don't know there's uh there's probably more going on here to talk about but uh i really just wanted to tell you about his dogs man (laughs) (laughs) we'll continue to discuss i'm sure this will be you know something that is still in play and yeah i knew i knew all dogs go to heaven i didn't know one went to literally guard god that's that's very impressive a dog that was a lion in a past life (laughs) (laughs) unless wait a minute Okay, so he said that him and his dog met in a past life at a Roman Coliseum as a fighter and a lion. I assumed he meant that the dog was the lion, but now that I think about it, he calls himself a lion. Mm, Maybe the dog was the gladiator. <laughs> oh, because he named him Conan the Barbarian. Dude, he's... <laughs> he's a dog. Yeah, Millet's the lion. <laughs> he's oh, That's his... Uh, his persona is a lion. <laughs> I figured it out. <sighs> All right. Cool. Well, you got any plugs? 
Uh, yes, paid protest Friday, December 1st at uh, Silo in Bushwick. We've got Judah Friedlander on the show. Doors, 7 o'clock, show 7.30. Put that uh, link in the show description. And also, if you can't make that, but you're around New York City that weekend and you want to see some comedy, come on out to uh, Naomi Caravani, friend of the show, who will be performing at The Gutter Saturday night, uh, December 2nd. Uh, we'll link to that as well. Cool. Um, I'll have shows coming up in LA as soon as I stop partying and having the holidays happen and sitting in my apartment and doing nothing. Let me tell you <laughs> quite a time in my pajamas right now. It's a Gengar onesie, the Pokemon not leaving my house ever. Okay. All right, everyone. Uh, thank you for listening. Please look out for guys with weird haircuts. It's finished. It's finished.